Welcome to Regions Wealth Podcast, the podcast that tackles life's challenges with financial experience. I'm your host, Sarah Feister-Gale. Mainstream interest in Bitcoin and other types of cryptocurrency have been on the rise in recent years. According to Pew Research, 16% of Americans say they've invested in, traded, or used cryptocurrency as of 2021. This growth has left many traditional investors wondering if investing in cryptocurrency is right for them. Joining me remotely is Michael Moorfield. He's an assistant vice president and operations analyst at Regions Bank. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. So, Michael, as you know, this is part one in a two-part series on cryptocurrency. In this episode, we'll be discussing the basics of cryptocurrency as an investment, the pros, cons, and important considerations. We've taken some frequently asked questions and developed a character who needs your help. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Josh, and uh, I'd like to get your take on uh, cryptocurrency as an investment vehicle. I, uh, I know it's been around for years. I suppose I just didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it until recently. Uh, a few years ago, my son, my teenage son, took all of the money that he had inherited when my dad passed uh, and uh, purchased a few types of crypto and uh, several NFTs. Now, at the time, my wife and I, we were absolutely livid. And it shocks me to say this, but for the most part, his returns, they've been solid. I mean, granted, there have been a few exceptions, but overall, I can't figure out if it's uh, pure luck, if it's good timing or what. And my wife and I are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know. So we'll dive into Josh's question in the next section. But first, let's start with some background for those who might be relatively new to this topic. Can you give us a primer on cryptocurrency? What are they and how long have they been around? Sure. So cryptocurrencies are digital currencies that operate through a decentralized network and are not dependent on any centralized authority like a bank or a government. They've been around for just over 12 years and have grown to a market cap nearing $2 trillion as of recording. So at a very high level, what are the main or most common types of cryptocurrency? So there are several different types of cryptocurrency. We have store of value coins such as Bitcoin, the most popular and the currency that most people would be familiar with. Then outside of store value coins, we have transaction tokens. These are slightly lesser known coins like Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash. And those are going to differ from Bitcoin in that rather than being bought to hold like an investment or like a store of value, people are going to buy transaction tokens in order to make faster, quicker transactions between peers. Their blockchain operates at a much quicker pace than the Bitcoin blockchain does. So it makes the transfer of wealth much more efficient than what the Bitcoin blockchain does. In addition to transaction tokens, we also have platform tokens. The largest platform token that most people are going to be familiar with is Ethereum. Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency. And there's a lot of people who see Ethereum kind of developing into the new internet. I know that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around and, and could be a bit abstract to think about a cryptocurrency being thought of as a new internet. But that kind of plays into the whole, if you're interested in the space and you're thinking about investing, to really dig in and understand what you're investing in, because there's a lot of potential for Ethereum and the Ethereum blockchain. In addition to platform tokens, we also have utility tokens. The utility tokens 
allow access to the functionality of corresponding protocols. So a good example of that would be Chainlink and the Link token. In order to utilize the functionality of the Chainlink protocol, you have to pay in Link tokens. It's kind of a way to bootstrap their protocol, bring in money to help fund further development and things of that nature. Outside of utility tokens, we have stable coins such as USDC and Tether. Those are going to be some of the more widely known and widely used stable coins. Personally, I struggle to count stable coins as cryptocurrency because they're pegged to the underlying government issued currency. But when you're getting into some of the more decentralized aspects of the developing financial world, stable coins are going to be a very, very important part of that ecosystem. But just know that they do differ from cryptocurrency types. So Michael, we talk a lot about cryptocurrency as an investment, but what's the difference between cryptocurrency and traditional currency, like the dollar? That's a great question and something that a lot of people struggle with. Really, we need to take a step back and and really look at the differences between the two. And that will help gain some perspective about the future of both of them and will allow people to make their own opinions. So you have fiat currency, government-backed currency, such as the U.S. dollar, and that's exactly what it is. It's government-backed, right? It is a currency that is issued by a government and is supported by that government's ability to tax its citizens. That's where the strength of the U.S. dollar comes from, as well as roughly 50% of all international trade agreements are paid in U.S. dollars because of the strength of the U.S. government. Cryptocurrencies are not associated with government at all, not associated with the U.S. government, not associated with any international government. They are built and housed on a decentralized platform. They are developed by groups of people all around the world that have the desire to build and work out developments for the cryptocurrency that they're working on. So through a decentralized network, a decentralized platform, you have the development of a decentralized currency. So on one hand, you have fiat currency, which is backed by a single entity being the government that issued it. And then on the other, you have a decentralized currency being a cryptocurrency that has many very, very, very small individual players that as a group make the backing and support for that currency. So at some point, do you think we'll be able to use Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency as a day-to-day currency? Absolutely. And ultimately, that comes down to merchants just desiring to receive Bitcoin, right? We haven't reached that point just yet because there's still a lot of uncertainty. They want the consistency that traditional finance has offered. We're moving in the direction where merchants will want to receive cryptocurrencies in the future. We're not there yet, but they absolutely can receive them now if they wish to. Talking about Bitcoin as legal tender, El Salvador decided to go ahead and approve Bitcoin as legal tender. So now El Salvador has two currencies as legal tender, the United States dollar and Bitcoin. There's been significant adoption of Bitcoin and Bitcoin payments in El Salvador. Now to keep things in perspective, 
you know, we hear about El Salvador being its own standalone nation, taking Bitcoin on as legal tender. It sounds amazing. And in my opinion, it is. But for perspective, El Salvador's GDP is about a fifth of that of the state of Mississippi, which is one of the lowest GDPs in the United States. So it's a great headline. It is a move in the direction towards Bitcoin as currency. However, still a long way to go for true adoption. Um, That being said, other countries in Latin America, South America, and some smaller ones over in Europe and the Middle East are interested in rolling out similar plans. Well, that's exciting and interesting, if only symbolic move in the use of crypto as a currency. Let's talk about cryptocurrency from an investment standpoint. When we're thinking about the regulatory environment, how does cryptocurrency differ from traditional investment vehicles like stocks? Sure. So stocks are going to be regulated by the SEC and futures contracts, similar to options, option contracts are going to be regulated by the CFTC. Right now, no regulatory body and nobody in government really at this point knows who has jurisdiction over cryptocurrencies. Both the SEC and the CFTC are both jockeying for jurisdiction. So right now it's kind of an arms race between the two as to you know who gets to regulate Bitcoin. But what's unfortunate is that this uncertainty about how it's regulated and who is regulating it has led to a lot of confusion, misunderstanding, and it puts cryptocurrencies into a gray area as to how it's going to be regulated moving forward, right? If anything, asset markets, they don't like uncertainty. And right now it's very uncertain as to how they're going to be regulated and even who is going to regulate them in the future. We're waiting on the executive order that the Biden administration issued a few months ago to receive the comments back from other government agencies looking into environmental impact financial innovation studies, how it could be used here in the United States, how it's being used overseas, how it's being used in El Salvador. And once all those comments come back, the Biden administration and the Treasury will review them and start to put together a more unified, structured regulatory response to how cryptocurrencies are going to be regulated in the future. So I think everybody in the space is looking forward to that. There might be a bit of anxiety there, but definitely looking forward to having some solidified guidance as to what the space can look like, what it should look like, and what it will look like based on how regulators understand it now and expect it to develop into the future. So it sounds like regulations are inevitable. It's just unclear what the time frame will be, right? Absolutely. Crypto has been around for over 12 years now. It seems like At the beginning, nobody thought that we would make it this far. And now we've made it this far and the space is just exploding. So now we're seeing a mad scramble to, one, understand where we are now, understand where the space is developing into the near future, and then trying to put a regulatory framework around all of that. And that's not an easy ask of anybody. And how will regulations help investors to think about this space or to gauge whether or not it's an appropriate investment for them? 
So you know, as a consumer, if it's not regulated, there's probably not going to be any form of consumer protection. So definitely something to keep in mind. If it's not regulated, you're at some type of additional risk from any investment. So as an investor, if regulation is going to be good, it's going to work to your benefit as long as it's not over-regulation, which because of what crypto stands for is absolutely a potential risk for the crypto market. Let's talk a little bit about NFTs. At a very basic level, for someone who has no background knowledge whatsoever, what is an NFT? NFTs are very, very interesting. And personally, I'm very excited for this space's development over the next few years. So NFT stands for non-fungible token. Essentially, what that means is that it is a one-of-one type asset. The way that I think of NFTs is like a receipt. It represents digital ownership of an item. So when you buy something, you receive this token that says you own this specific item. So you can tokenize a painting if you wanted to. And you could throw that painting onto the blockchain and create a token. It's called tokenization. And that token represents ownership of that real life painting. So if I own that painting and I want to sell it to somebody down the street or somebody comes to my auction to buy my painting, I could hand them the painting, but the receipt that they would receive for it would be that token on the blockchain that would then get passed to their wallet. So if anybody ever asked who owns that painting, they could look on the blockchain and see that that person holds that token. So they're the rightful owner of that painting. That way, if that painting were ever stolen, that token would never be moved. They could look into your wallet and see that you actually are the true owner because you still hold the ownership token. Now, today, we're not doing anything at that level, right? I think that's kind of where NFTs are going to move to in the future. Right now, I see the NFT market very, very similar to the baseball card market, just ultra high valuations for suspect art, I guess you could say. I know art is in the eyes of the beholder, but you know <laughs> that's going to be to the individual investor to determine if that value is actually there or not. But it is definitely a fun area to keep an eye on. And I think, like I said earlier, in the near future, over the next five, 10 years, I think NFTs have the potential to replace all receipts. I don't think we'll receive a paper receipt in the future. I think we'll receive a digital receipt in the form of an NFT showing complete ownership of everything that we buy. So it's something to keep an eye on. I always think of NFTs as an investment vehicle, but based on what you've just said, it sounds like there's real potential in the technology itself. That's fascinating. I know we've already covered a lot of ground, but let's pause here and listen to a bit more of Josh's question. So I, I'd like to get your take as a professional. So as my wife and I definitely won't be going all in on something like NFTs, uh, I am curious about adding cryptocurrency to our portfolio. Now, obviously, from a risk tolerance standpoint, my son is in a very, very, very different place than we are. While we have a moderate risk appetite, we can withstand some loss without jeopardizing any of our long-term goals. I know you probably can't get into the specific recommendations or anything like that. So I guess my question is this, is cryptocurrency something that 
You're seeing more serious investors add to their portfolio? And if so, what factors should I be considering before taking that leap? And are there any tax implications that I should be aware of? So that's a lot of questions. Michael, in your day-to-day work, are you seeing more interest in cryptocurrency from serious investors? And how does cryptocurrency fit into a traditional portfolio? So we're definitely seeing more interest in cryptocurrency, especially when we see the price of Bitcoin going up. Funny enough, it gets a little bit quieter when the price is going down. But over the years, we have seen an uptick in the number of questions coming in around cryptocurrency. How does it fit into a traditional portfolio? It only fits into a portfolio that is willing to take on maximum amount of risk. Cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are incredibly volatile assets. So anybody that is risk averse in the least bit should not come anywhere near the space. And even those that are willing to take a significant amount of risk and withstand significant amounts of volatility should limit their cryptocurrency exposure to 1% to 5% of their total portfolio value. Is that true of all cryptocurrencies or are there certain types of cryptocurrency that might be better suited for someone with a slightly lower level of risk tolerance? I get this question a lot when you're talking about risk and cryptocurrency are some riskier than others? Yeah, absolutely. Are some more volatile than others? Yeah, absolutely. But even the least volatile and the least risky are still risky enough and volatile enough that if you're not prepared for that immense amount of volatility and risk, it could destroy your portfolio or at least your ability to sleep at night. (laughs) So, you know, Understand what you're investing in before you invest in it. Know why you're investing in it before you're investing in it. And if you're not willing to withstand 50% declines in a one to two day period, which is absurd, then cryptocurrency, regardless of which currency you invest in, is, is just not for you, unfortunately. Okay. Let's talk about the taxes. Well, we can't get into the nuances of taxes. Josh raised a really good question. Is cryptocurrency taxed? Oh, it's absolutely taxed. The IRS is starting to crack down on investors who didn't believe cryptocurrency was taxed. The IRS is now starting to headhunt a little bit for those people and take in the taxes that are past due. So absolutely, cryptocurrencies are 100% taxed. The tax code is a little unclear at this point as to exactly how they're taxed. Highly recommend you consult with your tax professional before making any investment. One, to make sure that they're comfortable with their ability to file your taxes that include cryptocurrency transactions, but also to make sure that they fall in line with your tax plan and your investment plan as a whole. That makes sense. Consult your tax professional before making any investment. So to wrap this up, let's listen to the final portion of Josh's question. Also, the buying process is a bit mystifying to me. Admittedly, I'm not very tech savvy. I'm not not that guy. So let's say I wanted to purchase some, I don't know, Bitcoin. How do I get started? Also, I've been uh, hearing a lot about cryptocurrency scams. How common are they? What precautionary measures should I take before I invest in anything? 
So Michael, if someone like Josh decides they'd like to invest in cryptocurrency, what's the step-by-step process? How do they go about purchasing it? So the first step is to find an exchange. And I believe there are roughly 600 exchanges worldwide. So there are plenty of options for any investor. It's really up to the investor to find the exchange that works best for them. So find the more common ones in your country. Compare the pros and cons of those exchanges. The most important should be the one that you're most comfortable with, the user experience that you feel comfortable with, the one that you understand what you're clicking on. Once you find a cryptocurrency exchange that you are comfortable with, then you want to figure out which currency you want to purchase or that you want to trade within that exchange. And I should say, Not all exchanges are created equal. Not all exchanges carry the same tokens or currencies that all the other exchanges do. So there's a lot of due diligence that needs to go into finding the exchange that is going to suit the needs that you have. But once you've found an exchange and you've confirmed that they have the tokens that you want to trade, then for the most part, they're very, very user-friendly and straight to the point as far as how to transact They make it very easy. From my personal experience, creating an account and buying currencies on the exchange that I use is very similar to a traditional stock brokerage account. You create the account, you find the securities that you want to buy, and it's a very simple one, two, three process. So it sounds like there's a lot of education involved in investing, at least on the early end. Is this something that investors should be talking to their financial advisors about? Absolutely. If you have an interest in getting involved in cryptocurrency, it should absolutely be part of the conversation that you have with a financial professional. If you have a portfolio manager, definitely talk to them about this. See what kind of exposure your portfolio can allow for while staying within your risk boundaries. See how adding crypto exposure will impact the risk structure of your portfolio keep them aware of all of the coins and tokens that you're investing in, get their opinion on the opportunity and see how adding additional risk at that time plays into expectations for future stock and bond market developments. Is this the opportune time to be taking risks and how large of a position is adequate for your portfolio structure? Josh also mentions that he's been hearing a lot about cryptocurrency scams. In our next episode, we're discussing this topic in depth with Ryan Owen. But at a high level, what precautionary measures should individuals take to protect themselves if they choose to invest in cryptocurrency? Well, first, I'd like to say I am very excited to listen to Ryan Owen's podcast. He is on top of his game. He understands this space He's going to have some great information and really, really looking forward to his episode. To answer your question directly, the best thing that you can do is just know what you're investing in. If you know what you're investing in and you truly know what you're investing in, then you're going to be aware of how the system works, how cryptocurrencies work, your potential areas of risk as far as scams are concerned. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're investing in, you're probably going to have some blind spots as to potential risks and potential scams. So it all comes down to just knowing what you're investing in, 
truly understanding the space and not just gambling. Excellent. Excellent. That's interesting perspective. So Michael, at the end of each of these episodes, we like to ask our guests for some key takeaways. What are some takeaways that you can share with those who might be thinking about investing in cryptocurrency? Yeah, so I have two takeaways, and this applies to not just cryptocurrencies, but the broader market as a whole, but specifically cryptocurrencies with the scams that are happening today and the amount of risk and volatility. The first, as I've stated a few times on this podcast, know what you're investing in. If you know what you're investing in, you're putting yourself in a much better position from a risk standpoint not just from volatility, but from scams as well. If you don't know what you're investing in, you're gambling. We don't want that. We need to be informed investors. So understand the space and understand what you're investing in. The second takeaway would be know why you're investing in this space. So yes, you might understand what Bitcoin is and other currencies, but you have to have a legitimate reason to be in it. Why are you there? And once you develop that why, you're going to be able to withstand the volatility better. You're going to be able to sleep at night when we get those 25, 50% pull downs because your why shouldn't change unless something fundamental changes. And with a good why, you change the perspective from price to the building out of this new environment of this new asset class. And it really helps put things into perspective and and get you away from the volatility of the asset class. So in summary, understand what you're investing in and understand why you're investing in it. I love that. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been a really interesting conversation. That was Michael Moorfield, Assistant Vice President and Operations Analyst for Regents Bank. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun for me. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to check back for part two of this series. We'll be chatting with portfolio manager Ryan Owen on the latest cryptocurrency scams, how to identify them, and steps you can take to protect yourself before making an investment. Visit regions.com slash wealth podcast to explore past episodes or subscribe to Regions Wealth Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Regions Bank member FDIC equal housing lender. This information is general education or marketing in nature and is not intended to be accounting, legal, tax, investment, or financial advice. Although Regions believes this information to be accurate as of the date written, it cannot ensure that it will remain up to date. The people and events are fictional, but represent real issues. No identification with actual persons is intended or should be inferred. Statements of individuals are their own, not Regions. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and irs.gov for current tax rules. This information should not be construed as a recommendation or suggestion as to the advisability of acquiring, holding, or disposing of a particular investment, nor should it be construed as a suggestion or indication that the particular investment or investment course of action described herein is appropriate for any specific investor. In providing this communication, Regions is not undertaking to provide impartial investment advice or to give advice in a fiduciary capacity. References to a company or security or links to third-party websites did not imply endorsement or recommendation.